Hello, everybody, and uh, happy Friday. Hope you guys have had a fantastic week, and you're ready for a great weekend of boxing. We have a big, big fight with little, little guys, but a big, big fight, and then a little, little fight with big, big guys to look forward to tomorrow. Uh, right off the bat, we have a, a super chat from Aaron, my boy from Australia. Thank you so much, brother. He says, yo, Big Mike, give me your top five gingers. <laughs> In the boxing game of the last 10 to 20 years, note dyed hair does not count. Also, can you give Northern Gold Coast QLD a shout out? Well, I just gave them a shout out. Northern Gold Coast QLD shout out. But uh, look, dude, I want to answer your gingers question. I honestly cannot think of five redheads, natural born redheads at the elite level in the sport of boxing in the last 10 to 20 years. Um, now it could be because I'm deliriously tired and I haven't slept much over the last five to six weeks. Uh, and maybe my boxing historian brain just is not working as good as it normally does. Uh, I feel like I've screwed up on so many questions you guys have asked. I feel so bad. Um, I feel like I'm not doing my job at times, but, um, the only one that stands out, you know, him is that guy from Mexico, the Irish Mexican Canelo, Alvarez, Saul Canelo Alvarez. Uh, that's the only one that stands out. Now, there are some that I can think of um, that are like, you know, journeyman level, gatekeeper level, no disrespect, but guys at that level. But I'm trying to think, you know, you're asking for your top five gingers. Um, man, I, I, I just, I can't think of anybody other than Canelo because I'm trying, you know, when you think ginger, you don't normally think Mexican, right? You, uh, you're normally going to Northern Europe, Western Europe, you know, you're thinking Germany, Ireland, you know, places like that. And um, I, I'm trying to think of fighters from that part of the world in recent years that were, you know, at the elite, you know, world level. And again, I'm not thinking of too many redheads. So um, that is a great, like history question, a great trivia question, bro. And I, I got to take that to Twitter. So, so what I'm going to do for you, Aaron, is I'm going to take this to Twitter. I'll like screenshot this question from you and I'll take it to Twitter and, and see if I can get some help because my brain is not working right now, but um, I can only think of one. <laughs> I can really, we need more ginger representation in boxing because we have pretty much everybody else, right? If you think of every other social group, ethnic group, racial group, religious group, you can pretty much think of everybody and there's some representation in boxing, which is one of the things I love about the sport, by the way, is that it's a truly global sport, you, a little bit of everybody, but ginger representation, I don't know, dude, it, it's lacking in the sport. So uh, maybe that's an area where we can uh, have some outreach <laughs> and try to get some more gingers. Uh, by the way, guys, um, I should mention that we have obviously two trilogy fights tomorrow, right? Um, one, not so great, but I kind of get it right. Um, but one really, really great. So, so real quick, the heavyweight fight, Tyson Fury, Derek Tresor. Now look, these two guys fought. I can't even remember when the first fight it was. It feels like it was a decade ago and maybe it wasn't, it, it may have been not quite that long ago. Uh, who the hell is calling potential spam? I'm getting potential spam call on my phone. I love it. Um, since the election, by the way, and we're having a runoff election here in Georgia. Oh my God. These, 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 number one, the political ads 
They're so bad. On both sides, on both sides, both of you guys are crazy on both sides. And then um, the texts and the phone calls and the voicemails, just ridiculous. And I'm getting them in multiple languages. Anyway, all right, I digress. Fury Chisora. The first fight was fairly competitive. At that point, I want to say both guys were like prospects, maybe baby contenders, okay, junior contenders. But Fury clearly won that fight. The rematch, Fury dominated. And by that point, Fury was, you know, top level. Um, and Chisora is a – I love Derek Chisora. We need more Derek Chisoras in the sport of boxing. We truly do, especially in the heavyweight division. Um, and, and Dillian White's turning into Derek Chisora kind of. But you need that guy. You need that guy that is big, physical, strong, and willing to – and a character. Derek Chisora is a character, right? He's a great interview. Great personality. He, he's willing to get in the ring with everybody. This guy goes from Vitaly Klitschko. He fought Vitaly, not Vladimir, old school Klitschko, Vitaly Klitschko, all the way to Tyson Fury for the third time. So I love Derek Chisora. But at this point, he really shouldn't be fighting elite level guys. Now, him and Tyson Fury are buddies, right? They're friends. They're drinking buddies. They're cocaine buddies. Yeah. They, they're strip club buddies. They're buddies. Okay. Okay. So I don't think Tyson's going to beat up on him too bad. I think they're going to slap each other around. It's going to be entertaining for the crowd to an, especially like a novice casual type of observer. I think for more astute observers, they're going to look and see what's happening in this fight. It's reminiscent to me of when I was in LA, there were uh, Leo Santa Cruz fought Abner Mares. And I looked really close at what was happening in the ring, and I could kind of see what those two guys were doing. The casual crowd, especially all like the drunk people in the crowd, they were eating it up. They were loving it. But for guys like me and some of my gym mates, we were kind of looking really close. And I'm like, ah, we see what these guys are doing. There's a gentleman, eh, gentleman's agreement. We see what these guys are doing. That's what we're going to see tomorrow night in London. Um, is it London? I, it's somewhere in England. Tyson Fury. And Derek Chisora, obviously Fury is going to win either by decision or possibly late stoppage. It doesn't really do anything for the heavyweight division, except Tyson Fury stays active. That's the whole point of this. Make some more money. He can't fight in America right now because of some of the, <laughs> some of the connections he has. I'll just I'll leave it at that. I don't want this video shut down. He can't fight anywhere else right now. He's got to make money over there. He's doing his buddy a solid, getting him paid. They're putting on an entertaining promotion over there, and their friends in the media, you guys know these people, are having a good time over there. They're all getting plowed during fight week at all the, the bars and stuff in, in and around the, the complex, the venue where the fight's going to be held. It's basically a big party. That's what they're doing over there. Fury stays active. And next year, again, Regardless of what Fury says, regard by the way, regardless of what Deontay Wilder's people say, it's all bullshit. Shelly Finkel is completely full of shit. They don't want to fight Anthony Joshua. Regardless of what anyone says, I still truly believe next spring we get the fight between Fury and Usyk. At least that's what I hope we get. That's the big fight. It's not as big commercially as some of these other heavyweight fights, but that's the, the fight we have to get to get that undisputed, right? And I really hope we get it. So, 
Fury, even recently, even this week, has said, oh, I don't know about Usyk. The fight with Steve Cunningham was my most difficult ever. He's completely trolling. They're talking to Usyk's people. Those neg negotiations are already happening. They're already setting things up. Trust me on this. I can't go on the record with it, but trust me on this. That fight happens next spring, okay? I truly believe that. Uh, if I'm proven wrong, wow, it won't be the first time. Won't be the last time, but I really think that happens next spring. Now, let's talk about the little guys. Juan Francisco Estrada, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Uh, these guys are going to fight for the third time. This fight has a particular special bittersweet meaning to me. Um, I was ringside for both, but the first one I barely remember because I was drawn, full, full disclosure, at that point, I really wasn't a part of the boxing me. I hate using that word, boxing media or whatever. Um, I was just a crazed boxing fan, and I was drinking and just watching that fight. And to be honest, I barely even knew at that point, especially Chocolatito, who Chocolatito even was. I knew more about Estrada than Chocolatito at that point. Second fight, though, and obviously I've traveled around the country. I've met Chocolatito. I've seen him train in the gym. I've been in the gym with him while training, um, and I've traveled around the country to cover his fights, multiple fights. I've been ringside uh, for the highs and the lows, his lowest points, his highest points. And um, it's been quite a ride. It's similar to my ride with Gennady Golovkin and other fighters I can point to. But being out in Los Angeles during the big drama show, little drama show thing that was happening, you guys have seen my interviews with Tom Loeffler where we talk about that. That's generational type stuff. That's stuff that they're going to write books about, make movies about, particularly in Nicaragua, in, in Latin America. Uh, this is legend type stuff. Okay. But even in Mexico with, with Estrada, um, this is generational type of stuff. This is a real trilogy that matters. And I get that it may not trend among casual fans in America, but globally, particularly in Latin America, particularly Mexico, Nicaragua, these are fights that people are going to be talking about for decades, right? They're going to, again, there will be books written about these fights. There will be movies about these fights and these fighters, I should say. And to have been just there for the first one, but especially the second one. The second one's particularly special because um, it was during all the COVID lockdowns. And I'm not going to get political. I don't want to trigger some of you guys. But during that time, most of the country was shut down. And there were only a few states open. Georgia, Texas, Florida, pretty much were it. And a lot of promotions were moving their fights down to those states. While publicly saying something different, Business-wise, they were moving those fights to those states. I'm not going to get political. All right. <clears throat> but my wife and I, being newly married, right, so, so that was special. And everything that was going on with my family, my brother, you guys that follow me, you understand what I'm talking about. The training that I was getting involved in um, to, to honor my brother in the ring. That was the first fight, the first event I went, it was in Dallas, I should state, Dallas, Texas. That was the first fight I went to since all of that took place. The COVID, my brother's death, the COVID outbreak, 
the subsequent lockdowns, everything shutting down, like all, the whole nine, right? So me and my wife flying out to Dallas, attending that event, um, seeing friends, seeing fellow fight fans, and just being around people that you could tell were starving to get out again and be around their human brothers and sisters, right? And regardless of what part of the world we're from, our worldview on things, whatever, we all love boxing. And there was just this feeling of camaraderie and love in the air, not to get all hippie-ish about this shit, but seriously, there was. I, I felt there, there was just this appreciation of, of everybody there, like, oh, it's so nice just to be out again and talk to another human being and talk to them about something that I love and I'm passionate about. Then on top of all that, it was a great fucking fight. It was a fantastic fight. A fight that could have went either way. I personally thought Chocolatito Edge did, but, you know, hey, I'm not the only one, but the official judges disagreed. But I'll tell you something. When the, when the scorecards were read and Estrada got the decision, there were some boos and there were some people who were upset. And, you know, as we're all walking out of the arena, we're talking. And then, of course, you go into the bar after the, the fight and you're talking more. And people were not, people didn't agree necessarily with the decision. Most people, some people did. Some people thought Estrada won, but most people thought Chocolatito edged it. But most people didn't care. Most people were still caught up in the, the, the magic of what we had just saw. And also knowing that these two little dudes, they're probably going to do this again. And because of the decision we got tonight, they're probably going to do this again. We're going to get to watch these two uh, masters of their particular martial art, masters of their particular craft, get back in the ring and do this again. And so even though people didn't agree with the decision, they didn't mind. They were thankful. There was gratitude for what they had just seen. And so I, I just remember that. I just remember everything I was going through at that particular period in my life. And my wife, of course, was involved in that, uh, being my support system, my backbone. She was there with me. And you remember that stuff. And, and that's what stands out. And that's what some people don't understand about sports. You know, um, every one of you watching this has, let's just stick with boxing, but we can go to other sports, right? But we'll just stick with boxing. There's a particular fight you might remember where maybe it was the last fight you watched with your father or the last fight you watched with your grandfather, your grandmother, right? Um, the last fight you watched at the house you grew up in, whatever it was. I remember particular fights. It was my last fight um, stationed at a particular base in the Marine Corps, or maybe my first fight there. It was my first fight when I moved to LA, my first fight when I lived in St. Louis, you know, all these different places I've lived. Those things stand out. You remember those things. It's an event that stands out in your memory. That's what sports does, you know, and uh, it gets you through certain moments in your life. And for me, that rematch between these two fighters, Estrada and Gonzalez, will always stand out. I remember what I was going through and everything else. And now, as I 
will watch this fight from my home, probably holding my five and a half week old daughter, almost six week old daughter in my arms, watching these two guys fight again. I'll think about everything that's changed in the last year and a half. It's only been a year and a half, basically, since these two guys fought again. Um, it's all very surreal and it's meaningful. And to me, that's that's something that just boxing provides that's just different than other sports because these guys, especially now, they get in the ring twice a year, maybe three times a year. It's not like the NBA where there's 82 games or the, the uh, Major League Baseball, there's 162 games, right? It's hard to remember a specific baseball game I've been to because I've been to dozens of them. There might be a playoff game I remember, you know, something like that. I remember where I was when Mark McGuire hit his record-setting home run because I was in the service. And, um, you know, I was at a particular base. Like, I remember that kind of stuff. But with fights, they stand out, dude. Uh, Hopkins Trinidad, right? Right after 9-11. Like, stuff like that. You just remember that sort of thing. And so, anyway, these two guys doing a rematch will always stand out. And tomorrow night, they're going to fight for a third time. I can't wait to watch it. Um, for my money, Chocolatito wins by decision. I think he ekes out a decision win. And I think it, I don't know, it puts the, um, the, the stamp on his, uh, he's already a Hall of Famer, right? He could retire. To, he could say, I'm not fighting tomorrow. Screw this. And just ditch the fight. He could literally just fly home tomorrow and not even show up uh, for the fight. He's still a Hall of Famer. But he wins tomorrow. He beats Estrada, who one day will be in the Hall of Fame himself. That, to me, is the stamp on an all-time great career for Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Just a special, special fighter. Special fighter, man. Uh, super chat from Tony Belafonte. Thank you so much. He says, would you put Chocolatito on your Latino Mount Rushmore of boxing? Wow. That's another great question. Because when you say Latino, that's all encompassing, bro. I, I mean, that, I assume by Latino, you're not including European Latino. You're, you're just talking about Latin America, Hispanic Latino. I assume that's what you mean. Because we're not going to include Spain, Italy, those, those, those countries, right? We'll just stick with Latin America. Dude, you're talking Mexico, you're talking Brazil, you're talking Colombia, Argentina. Wow. And I get what Mount Rushmore is four people, right? I, mm, I might, I really, really might. I'd have to think about that. That's another one that like right now being, you know, going off of like four hours of sleep, um, <laughs> having a fussy infant daughter, uh, I want to say yes. Okay. But if I think about it for a day or two, maybe there are four other names I could put above Chocolatito, but pound for pound right now, I do that, especially if he wins this fight, because I, I really do believe he won the second. And I think that first fight against Rungvisai, I thought he won that one too. Um, but even officially with those losses, it doesn't matter. Coming back and doing what he's done after them, especially if he beats Estrada tomorrow, it's, it, it's special especially as a little guy, right? A guy who started at 105 and now is at 115. That's a big deal, right? 
10 pounds, I get it. For Tyson Fury, 10 pounds, you know, he takes a healthy dump in the morning. That's 10 pounds. Chocolatito, 10 pounds, dude, th th that's a significant gain in weight. And to do that in his mid to late 30s um, and compete at the level he's competing at, that's special. I don't know, dude. I'm tempted to say yes. I'm tempted to say yes. I mean, obviously, you've got Duran up there. Obviously, you've got Chavez up there. Oof, who else do you put? Um, you might have to go to Puerto Rico, but then maybe Argentina with Bonzon. I don't know. I got to think about that one. That's another, man, you guys have some great freaking questions today, but I if I could get five heads on Mount, on that Mount Rushmore, then it's an easy answer. Yes. But if it's only four, oof, that's a tough one, bro. But that's a great question right now. I want to say yes. But I need to check myself and make sure I'm not getting caught up in the moment. So I'm going to say borderline right now. I'm going to say borderline. CJ Duncan, what's up, my brother? Thank you so much for the super chat. Soon to be looking and feeling a lot like me. <laughs> he's, uh, he's less than two months away, guys, from having his first. So everyone in the chat, congratulate CJ and his wife, Vicky. Uh, they're going to have uh, a beautiful, beautiful baby very, very soon. He says, here's to great changes in your life, Montero. Salute to fight fans, to the fight fans in the chat. Thank you so much, brother. Um, and best of luck. You guys are in the home stretch. Trust me, the last two or three weeks for Vicky, uh, she's going to be miserable, miserable and huge. <laughs> Just, uh, Try to get her outside, dude. Try to take a walk. It's the best advice I can give. And just say yes to everything she says. Just say yes, and you'll be okay. All right. <laughs> let's go to the chat. Or I'm sorry. Let's go to the phones. We're already uh, got great, great, great chat here. And uh, let's take some calls, guys. I'll go as long as I can. And um, man, I just I hope that. Listen, real quick before I go to the phones. We've gotten some trilogy fights in recent years that were absolute duds, right? Or either the third or fourth fight. Like I'm thinking um, Marquez Vasquez, that fourth fight, it's cringeworthy. I wish it never happened, especially when you see what Israel Vasquez is going through right now. Just terrible. But then you get to some trilogy fights that are outstanding, right? I, I just hope that, I mean, these guys... It was only about a year and a half ago. I just hope we see that same level and we get another all-time great fight. I really, really hope so. As a boxing nerd like you guys, I hope that's what we get. All right, to the phones we go. And we start with 336. What's up? You're on the show. Yo, yo, Mike. Oh. What's up? BLT, my brother. What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, yeah, everything is good. How's everything with you? I know it's good. Man, I I, I don't remember sleep, but uh, I'm not complaining, man. My yeah, my, I'll tell you, dude. I'm not even afraid to admit it here. My daughter started smiling recently, and when she smiled at me, uh -huh. dog, I started tearing up. I just turned into uh -huh. a bitch. I started tearing uh -huh. up immediately. Hey. hey, man, you got a daughter. I, I do. She already she already runs the house. She already runs me, dude. My wife is gonna have to be the disciplinarian already. There you go. There you go. Hey, check this out. I'm watching the um, Josh Kelly 
uh, Williams. What's his name? Troy Williams fight. Right okay. now, as I'm talking to you. And, um, yo, it's Kelly. Yo, Kelly is nice, man. Yeah. Real nice. Oh, oh. <laughs> you watch it. I love it. He's watching live as he talks on the chat. I love this. I love it. Yo, it's nice. Yo, Give yo, us a play by play. Oh, okay. Well, they, they, they wrestling right now, playing with each other. Uh, Kelly kind of, I guess he's holding a little bit. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. So you think? Oh, so has he has he improved since that loss? Do you think he learned from that loss? Yeah, yeah. He looks a lot better. He looks a lot better. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He did. I don't know what he did, but he looks like a different fighter than me. Okay. Hey man, losses. A man with a red uppercut, the hook. Oh my god, that thing was nice. I was like, yo, who is this? The same guy, Kelly, or what? <laughs> you pick this out. What time is that Brandon Glennon fight start? Uh, East Coast time, regular East Coast time. So yeah, I should let you guys know. Uh, I had Brandon on the show earlier uh, this week. You know, on TNC, yeah. that starts tonight, regular time, because um, that's in Florida, so it's East Coast time. He's the main event, though, so he'll probably be going on like maybe eleven ish, eleven ish p.m. Okay. I okay. man, I like him. I I, I think um, he's an exciting style, and um, he's hungry, dude. And I like that he's not playing around. He wants to get right to it. I love that. Yeah, I only check him out. I've never seen him fight, so I only check him out. You're gonna I'm you're nice. gonna be entertained, bro. You're gonna be entertained. Okay, good enough. That's what I wanted to know, man. I concur everything else you said. I'm not even gonna repeat anything. All right, man. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, my brother. I, I, have a great night, man. Yo, 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 let me ask you something. Did you start working out? Well, you haven't started working out. You've you got a plan for that or what? Well, you know, it's funny, man. I, I was, um, I had it set up to go to the boxing gym uh, Wednesday morning, but then my daughter got constipated yeah. and my, <laughs> we had to take her to the doctor <laughs> and shit. So I had to text my coach and I was like, yo, man, uh, my daughter's constipated. I got to go to the doctor. I'm sorry, I can't make it. He's like, oh, you you canceled on me, bro. I'm like, I'm sorry, dog. I'm so. So he was, you know, he he understands because he's got a daughter too. He's got like a three year old daughter, so he gets it. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to start again next week. We shall see because I got to get back in there, man. When my son was born, I was still working. I used to get up. I was in Brooklyn. I used to get up uh, like four in the morning, man. Yeah, go run. Get on a solar flex. Remember the solar flex? Oh yeah! Out? Holy shit, dog! That's I old school. And I used to come back and do that. But I had to do it then because it was like you know I had to go go to bed early because you know I got to get up. But you know I try to fit it in. But boom. Anyway, yo, it's been a pleasure, my brother. All right, man. Have and a great weekend, we'll, brother. We'll do it again next week. You all right, too, man. No, right. Peace. Peace. Yeah, guys. I. uh you know, I to BOT's point, I might have to start doing that. I might have to start getting up at like five. And that just if that's when I work out. But you know, I'm talking to my wife. I want to do a few more fights next year. I really, really do. And I have some plans and I can't talk about it yet publicly, but I got some big, big plans. Like there's some some big stuff I want to do. Um, 
but I'm obviously going to have to really get back in the training in, in hardcore training where it's like two a days, right? You're getting up, you're doing your road work in the morning, you're boxing and sparring at night. Like you might do two, three sparring sessions a week. And then a couple of like skill sessions a week where you're doing mitts and all that stuff. Um, maybe one or two weightlifting sessions a week. That's in the morning too. Uh, you, you know, you do run weights, run weights, that sort of thing. But I mean, right now, obviously I can't, but I'm hoping that when Jacqueline is three months old, cause that's when they say like, they start to kind of turn a little bit, you know, turn the page or what's, what's the expression you, you get around the corner or whatever. And um, at that point, maybe she'll just do one feeding a night. Because right now I'm doing the night feedings. My my wife takes care of her during the day. I take care of her at night. So I'm getting up at, you know, two to do the first feeding and like five to do the second feeding. And part of me is like, dude, when I get up at five, maybe I should just pound a bunch of coffee and just go for a run. You know what I'm saying? But then I'm like, it's 25 degrees outside in the morning. I might get sick. You know, I, I just don't know. So anyway, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But I definitely want to do um a couple more fights next year that's definitely in the plans and then we'll call it a day all right back to the phones real quick uh let's go to 415 i think it's luis what's up you're on the show mike what's good with you man what's good man uh i'm just trying to stay awake <laughs> how are you man how are you brother hey i'm doing doing good bro doing good hey before i um get on the boxing you know, I, I, I've been listening to the whole, you know, Jackie development since, you know, the wife was months pregnant, you announced or whatever. I got a nine-year-old, and by, well, every time I hear your, you know, your updates and, you know, the stories, and they, I get flashbacks. And the only thing I could, you know, um, give you suggestion-wise, because I have a nine-year-old daughter as well, a uh, daughter, should I say, nine, she's nine now, is I remember those days of getting up and feeding them and, burping them and you know when they fall mm. asleep in your chest like you don't know what love is till you have your Dude. own child and you hold them and, and, and it's, it's, it's a little bit of you you know what i mean yes enjoy the time while you can bro because you know my mine still was still you know still days little girl and everything but i miss those days you know what i mean like those days it's like that's what like, everyone tells like, me you can't put a yeah, everyone is, says bro. oh man is, I, I miss when she before she could talk and she's just like this little meatball you know, so so that's what everyone tells. I'm trying to I'm trying to soak it in, man. I'm trying to. You gonna you gonna just like you were just saying earlier how she smiled for the first time. Like you know, I really be fucking with you, Mike. Like you, I think you like one of like I've I've known you. I know you my partner through the via boxing, but you know what I mean you like it seems like we won the same kind. Like when you when she smiled and you broke the tear, that's just that's you being a a, a honorable father man and, and know know your responsibilities and know your duty in life is to provide it to be you know everything to your little mama you know what i mean mm -hmm. so ain't nothing ain't nothing you wouldn't know being no bitch none of that. You <laughs> being a, a, a okay man, you got a good heart you okay good good, good. because good i dude um, dude it, it, what's funny bro is it was like instant it was like a like a fraction of a second she smiled at me so big it just i immediately teared up i was just like oh my god and I'm like, one day she's gonna ask me for money and shit. She's gonna be, like, here's five dollars. Here, just take it. I'm just, she's gonna, I'm just gonna melt, dude. Like instantly, I knew she's got me. She's got me. It's a beautiful thing, bro. Appreciate it as long as you can, and and appreciate it more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, let me get to this boxing though. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Just, you know, I had to holler at you. You know, father, father to father, real quick. You know, 
But um, uh, about this Estrada Chocolatito fight. So, how much how much stock are you putting into Estrada saying you know lead up to the leak that he wasn't himself the second fight and you know the COVID really affected him and he I mean that was he still you know feel like he pulled it off because I had Chocolatito winning. I think I think I had like seven five. That's what I had. And, yeah. And, and he he yeah he's he's emphasizing that you know that he wasn't himself. Okay. I mean. I kind of want to believe him because he seems like a pretty, you know, solid dude that wouldn't, you know, bullshit or fake the funk or whatnot. So, like, because, you know, now we when we look back at Canelo, like when he had the Triple G, like, oh, why didn't you put him down? Why didn't you put him down? Like, you know, he had that whole hand, hand uh, injury right. going back to Loma and Tio. You know, when Loma fought Tio, why didn't he fight him in the first uh, six, five rounds? Oh, you know, he was scared of his shoulder going out. It made sense afterwards, you know. So how much stock are you putting into that? Yeah, you know, I might be biased, but I tend to believe the little dudes. When when the bigger guys talk, I just don't believe them. But when the little guys talk, for some reason, I believe them. I don't know what it is, but I actually uh, I take him at his word. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll take him at his word. But look, if you look at the records of these two fighters and who they fought when they fought them, there's more mileage on Chocolatito. Right. So Estrada should be the fresher guy. That's what we should see. We didn't necessarily see that last time they fought. They fought basically on even terms. Right. And with you, I'm with you. I had a 115, 113 Gonzalez. So um, we'll find out tomorrow. We'll find out. But I will say this. I, I have to say this. Both fighters had a fight earlier this year. Chocolatito fought the better fighter. He looked better. And has a better W this year. I think that matters. I agree. I agree. And one, one more thing before I let you uh, get up out of here. Before I get up out of here. What's up with the franchise? So he vacated the belt because, you know, he was hurt or inactive or whatnot. And that's the belt that um, that old boy from San Antonio got. What's his name? Bam. Um, Bam. So he, okay, so Bam has the official WBC belt, correct? And he's defending the franchise belt? Yeah, I think um, because if you remember, I think the WBC had a mandatory for for uh, Estrada. Who the hell was it? It might have been Bam's brother. He was supposed to fight. Um, uh, who uh, who's his brother, dude? I can't remember right now. Shit, uh, Rodriguez, uh, WBA champ. I want to say it was something like that. They had a mandatory Franco, for him. Franco, Franco, was it Franco? Franco. Right, right. Franco, hey. And yeah, and Franco. I might be wrong on this, but he he said he couldn't do it. There was an injury. There was something going on. I can't remember the exact details. And so that's how it worked out with the WBC, where um, he's got the franchise belt, but he doesn't have the regular belt because he didn't defend. He didn't do his mandatory. Something like that, dude. I can't keep up with this shit. <laughs> I can't. Here's the thing with this fight, bro. The belts don't mean shit in this matchup. It's beyond right, belts, right. right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, yeah, I was just kind of like, kind of, because I, I figured, like, you know, whole start with the Lomachenko franchise and Canelo franchise, and now they're letting Estrada uh, uh, defend the franchise with along with the ring, and like, mm -hmm. it's just. So are we gonna are we gonna keep on? So are we gonna make the WBC like the WBA and have a regular and a super champ? Like that's what seems like they're Bro, they're, doing. they're halfway I mean, there, man. Right? 
They're halfway there, dog. So, uh, yeah, I, it's kind of laughable. You know, I, there's a lot of things about the WBC that I like, but stuff like this, it's hard to defend, man. Just remember, where's Estrada from? Where's the WBC headquartered? Yeah. Do the math. Yeah. Do the math. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, I appreciate your time, Mike. I know a lot of other callers want to get on like I do, so enjoy the weekend. You too, enjoy man. Enjoy baby girl, bro. Appreciate it, brother. All right, great. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Um, all right, real quick, guys, let me catch up on these super chats so we could jump back to the phones. Um, let's see. We've got Aldo Marquez. Thank you so much. He says, the little guys are professionals that act like it. Yeah. Listen, if you're a diehard boxing fan, and especially if you're 30 and older, I'm going to be a little ageist right now, right? And you remember the good old days when, when dudes fought each other and, you know, the best fought the best, this kind of thing. Um, just stay south of 126 and you're, you're pretty good. These guys actually fight each other. And there are some special fighters in those lower divisions. 115 has just been a blessing. It really, really has. And uh, Luis, you know, brought up Bam Rodriguez. These new guys coming in, they're about to take over for the Chocolatitos and the Estradas. They're about to take over for those guys. So there's a new generation. Look at what Bam Rodriguez has done this year as a kid in his early 20s, right? You're just not seeing that north of like welterweight, even in welterweight. Spence, Crawford, hello. So these little dudes, those are the fights that I really, really look forward to. You know, and unfortunately, there's so many American sports fans that get caught up in size, right? They're used to seeing dudes like Shaq or, um, you know, in the NFL, they just like Tom Brady is a big guy, Brett Favre, you know, these big, big dudes. And so they're used to seeing that. And they that's what they associate with being like a dominant athlete. But man, sometimes these little 112 pound guys, these dudes will mess you up. Right. These dudes are awesome. So, so uh, I love watching the little guys fight. I love watching heavyweights too. Don't get me wrong, but it's a different style of boxing. It's, it's almost a different sport in the way that they fight the little guys though, man, you're almost guaranteed action. That's what we should get tomorrow. Trent now Perillo with the super chat. Thank you so much, Trent. He says Vitaly Klitschko did not quit against Chris bird. Zach Parker lost because of an injury. He was up 3-0 going into the fourth. Better switch to winning gloves, better hand protection. Yeah, listen, um, when it comes to so, – so, look, Zach Parker, John Ryder, I, I, I take Zach Parker at his word that he was hurt, could not continue. Like, I want to say if it was me, I would continue, but I'm not in his body. I don't know what he was feeling, right? None of us do. So I try to take fighters at their word. I think you could tell when someone's kind of like faking it or, or taking a dive or whatever. Um, he should come back from this and, and get better. But for, for people who think this dude was looking for a way out, to Trent's point, uh, Parker was winning that fight. Also, the winner of that fight gets a, the Canelo sweepstakes. You think Parker didn't want a date with Canelo in that massive payday, that huge opportunity where your brand doubles overnight, regardless of who you are? Like your brand in boxing doubles, triples, quadruples overnight 
if you fight guys like Canelo Alvarez, Anthony Joshua, those type of guys. And so you think he looked for a way out of that? I don't buy it that he quit. Just like to Trent's point, I don't, we know Vitaly Klitschko did not quit against Chris Bird because when Vitaly fought Lennox Lewis and his eye was busted up, he wanted to keep fighting and he was pissed when the doctor stopped the fight because, and, and, you know, I've seen interviews with Vitaly subsequent to that fight. And basically what you said was, listen, against uh, Chris Bird, I couldn't fight. I couldn't lift my arm. I, I can't box with one arm. Against Lennox Lewis, yeah, my eye was busted up, but I could still see. I want to keep fighting. I could still throw punches, and I can see. I wanted to keep fighting in that fight. So it's just a you know different mentality. And let's see what happens with Zach Parker in the future. Okay. Uh, back to the phones. We get, Wow. Wow. We have a bunch of calls. I hope I can get to all these. Holy hell, we got a bunch of calls. Uh, let's go to Nacho in California. What's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Just out here in this uh, cold, wet day out here in California, mm. which is unusual. It's usually nice and sunny, but it's raining today. So, <laughs> you know, I remember when it rains. It, it's, it, when it rains in Southern California, man, everybody hibernates. Those were like holidays out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not a whole lot of people out and about, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, just real quick, Mike, um, I'm uh, there was one fight on the uh, Fury undercard that I thought was interesting that I didn't bring up the other day. Um, this Ukrainian dude who apparently was on the Olympic team with uh, Usyk and Loma, um, but he hasn't really done much with his pro career. Um, Dennis uh, Baranchik, I think is his name. Um, he's undefeated, but he's kind of an older guy and hasn't really done much. But a lot of people are saying that he can fight. Well, he's taking on uh, an old grizzled vet in Yvonne Mendy, mm -hmm. who's fought some world-class guys. And I'm kind of curious to see uh, how that fight goes, because if Barancha can beat Mendy, or if Mendy can beat him, one of those guys can kind of throw their names into the mix at uh, 135. Uh, what do you think about that fight, Mike? I'm just pulling up his um, his record here. He uh, represented by K2 Promotions, which is interesting. 2012 Olympian. He beat uh, Anthony Yidget, Jeff Horn. Uh, he lost to a Cuban. No shame in that. And then uh, World Amateur Championships in Baku, Azerbaijan. All right, let's check out his pro record. Interesting, man. Yeah, I'm not here. I haven't heard much about this. He fought most of his fights in Ukraine. Wow, dude, this is first fight. Well, his second fight outside of Ukraine. Interesting. I don't know, dude. The one thing I'll look at his resume. There's a lot of like, I'm, I'm just pulling it up on box rec. I'm sharing my screen here. He's got a lot of one star opponents, like four and six rounders. But recently he's kind of stepped it up. So this is his big first step up in opposition. And um, he doesn't seem to be a power puncher. 34-year-old lightweight, though, that is a little advanced in age. But, yeah, let's see what he can do, man. Let's see what he can do. Mm, okay. Um, and then also, um, the uh, you know how we talked about him a couple of weeks ago after uh, the fight? Um, uh, oh, Jesus, um, I'm trying to pronounce his name again. Uh, Yelenusinov? Mm-hmm. Um, there was an update. Apparently, he's been um, 
apparently he's been moved out of his um, hospital uh, room, and apparently he's, like, talking and, like, walking, they said. So apparently it looks like the prognosis has gotten better recently. Wow, yeah, Yeah. it's it's funny, man. Like, I haven't seen anything posted about that. Yeah, a couple of people posted it on Twitter. Okay. Uh, Dan Canobio was one of the guys that posted a, an update about him, um, okay. like uh, early earlier this week. So just to kind of let people know that uh, Yelenusinov is apparently recovering nicely. So hopefully it keeps going. You know, it's great news. after that beating he took. I mean, yeah, like I'd hate to see that guy not be able to, you know, at least regain some semblance of a normal life. Um, and then, uh, I, uh, I actually had a, a really interesting, uh, really, uh, question, a question for you, Mike, cause, um, I've been kind of curious. I know that you live in Atlanta and I know that this guy is from that area and I've heard like stories about him. Um, and they say he's a legit prospect, but I'm curious, have you seen this guy named, uh, I think his name is Brian Norman fight since you've been out there. Let me see. Uh, let me look him up. That name sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen him because he's fought at Buckhead Fight Club. Um, and Jolene Mazzone is representing him right now. So, yeah, he's he's a legit prospect. And um, he's got a fight coming up in New York, I want to say. Like, like uh, not the city, but like up by like Buffalo or like upstate New York. Oh, like Turning Stone? Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but um, he's like he's a like welterweight, oh, okay. right? He's, I've seen him yeah. fight. So Buckhead Fight Club, Terry Moss, who I've had on my show, that's her gym. And he's fought there a couple times, and I've done the commentary for the stream. He's a legit prospect to take a look at for sure, yeah. Okay, so he, you think he's got a chance to be a player at 47? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> we got to see how he does when he steps up. Um, 47, that's a tough division. That's a tough division. But he's definitely mm-hmm. like, he's a young guy. And when I've seen him fight, I think twice. And when I saw him fight, you could see the skill set, you could see the athleticism. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about like where he's training and who he's sparring with. Uh, if, if I were advising him, I'd be like, dude, you need to go down to like Texas, Florida. Uh, if not, you know, LA and get, get that spar the next level sparring. I don't know if he's doing that. I just don't know. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's just a couple other little tidbits. I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on. Um, so Jaime Munguia, apparently him and uh, Golden Boy and Zanfer um, decided not to enforce their latest mandatory against Janabek. So at this point, like in your opinion, Mike, what the hell are they waiting for other than the obvious uh, Golovkin payday? It's just it's just that, brother. I've been talking about this, I feel like, all year. Um, they are going to do whatever they have to do to ensure they get the Golovkin fight in 2023. And I think Golovkin has a mandatory. It's Falcao, right? He's got to fight Falcao. He'll fight him in the spring. So look for Golovkin Mungia either in the summer or maybe the fall. And it could wind up in a few different locations. I know Golovkin's people are even open to going to Mexico City. It just depends. 
But I'm telling you now, like, I'm not going to do like a Mike Coppinger and, and post it. But just trust me, guys. I've talked to people on both sides of this equation. That fight's, unless something blows up, that fight's happening next year. Okay. And then uh, the last thing, Mike, was I know they, I, I don't know if you've seen, they announced a fight next for next month between uh, F.A. and Jogba is fighting Oscar Rivas. What oh, do you think of that fight? I like that fight. I did not see that. But again, I've been uh, kind of out of it. Let me see. It. I'm gonna pull up. Yeah, F. you've a been job, a, uh... a sleep deprived zombie, so I <laughs> yeah, get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like that fight. So Ajagba, of course, he lost that fight to Frank Sanchez, but he 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 was dropping. He went to distance, and for Rivas, now like Rivas went down to what? Didn't he go down to Bridgerweight at some point? Yeah, he did, and he won a belt, but he hasn't really defended it since he won it. Yeah, right, because that was like last year, and he hasn't even fought this year. Yeah. So the thing with Ajagba, I don't know if he could get down the bridge away. I'm imagining this will be heavyweight. Um, Oh, you know what, dude? I'm just pulling this up. I want to say this might be the same card that Brian Norman's. Okay, okay. So this is – they're going to fight on a top rank card. I just pulled this up January 14th, 2023. And you're right. It's at turning stone and Brian Norman's on oh, that okay. card. So, wow, this whole thing's coming oh, full nice. circle. Brian Norman's on that card. Oh, Guido okay. Vianello is fighting Stephen Shaw. That's a great fight between heavyweight prospects. Dude, that's going to be a fun card. That's going to be a fun card, man. Nice. Okay. Well then that's great. I, we'll all get to see brian norman and see what he looks like for sure then yeah because that's, that's awesome. espn plus I wasn't a, yeah i wasn't sure if uh you were like gonna tell me that he was on that card until you were like oh he is on the card okay that's that's great i had heard right. yeah i heard Perfect. that norman had a card in new york but i didn't know it was that so, so now yeah i just pulled it up and i'm sharing the screen now and yeah it's definitely on the same card that's a fun card man that's a fun card yeah and then just last one, Mike. Um, I don't know if you've seen. I'm pretty sure you haven't because you just said you didn't see this one. What do you think of Chris Eubank Jr. taking on Liam Smith? That's a fun domestic level fight there in the, in the UK, man. Um, what weight? Have they said what weight? I think it's going to be at 160. Wow, that's fun. Um, so Eubank, he's fought at 160, but I think recently he's been north of that. So I have to move down the thing with him, dude, I never know what to expect because he kind of changes his mind last second. He pulls out of stuff, but if that happens, that's a fun fight. That's a fun fight over there. I I'd, I'd check that out. Yeah. To me, that's like a Parker yeah, rider kind of fight. You know what I mean? It's like that level. Yeah. Kind of fight. Yeah. I think so as well. I think it could be entertaining because uh, Liam Smith's never been in a bad fight. Yeah. So he's definitely going to bring it. I agree. I agree. He, he's definitely going to bring it and he's going to test Eubank. So I hope Eubank isn't taking this dude lightly, thinking he's just going to walk in there and beat him easily. So, all right, Mike. Uh, I'll talk to you on Monday then. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Nacho. All right. You too. Yeah. All right. There he goes. And now let's go right to Thad. We ain't heard from Thad in a while. Thad, what's up, my brother? How you doing, yep. man? Yeah, Mike, you made me gag before when you mentioned Tyson Fury and you know, all his 10-pound 
you know what? And then, you know, constipated <laughs> babies, you know, I'm trying to eat dinner. Sorry. So I'm sorry. I had, a, I had a, nah, man, I, I had to put, put that down and give you a call. So, uh, right in the middle of that too, I saw Josh Kelly put on a masterclass against Williamson. Looked, looked amazing. Looked like a completely different fighter from when he fought Avenesian. Mm. So he might be a, he might be a force to be reckoned with, you know, at 54. So I know it's a domestic level title he won, but it's good performance to say the least. That's the thing, man, with and, losses, uh, people make so much out of a loss. Sometimes a loss is just what a young guy right. needs to, to get better, you know? Right. Oh yeah. He, uh, he definitely improved and, uh, yeah, he, he hurt him, hurt him all fight. He's mm-hmm. got great offense. Just a matter of, can he take it on the beard? And I think, you know, a learning experience like that, you know, same as um, when Bektamir Melikuzi have got knocked out on literally a, a, a left or a, a shot from left field, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of lets you know, like, all right, well, I got to buckle up and not let that happen again. So with that being said, Evan Easing was fighting Crawford. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if, if he, you know, if Crawford with all the distractions and, you know, the curse of, you know, having fights, you know, ducked out of whatnot, you know, missing out of they people get knocked off. I think Floyd Mayweather was the only only fighter that uh he escaped, you know, getting upset. And I think he had two fights where he should have lost against Maidana and uh um Castillo. But with that being said, I mean this is boxing. Any the theater of the uh, unexpected, like uh Larry Larry Merchant used to say. So I'd be very wary if I were Crawford coming into that fight because Avanesian he he stopped Kelly. So he's definitely battle tested. Avanesian he's a battle tested guy. He's not gonna go in there or lay down. I know that. No, he's yeah. gonna come right at you. He's gonna fight you. So you know he make you know I know Crawford gets touched up early and gets he gets dropped, you know, by uh by Kavayowskis. So I don't know. That might be a better fight than you know people are expecting. So I wouldn't sleep on that. I'd I would bet the under in that fight either way. Hmm. So with, with that being said, with these fights this weekend, I like, I like the betting overs in all, all three of the main fights. Chocolatito. I like by decision. He's my uh, plus plus one fifteen. You know, that's like the obvious pick. Um, I wouldn't go crazy on that one. The, the fight that I'm intrigued with is uh, the Lorena versus Dubois fight. I think okay. that's a great fight. I, I, I know not a lot of people know Lorena. He's a South African and, I've been on a couple of his fights and he's been featured <clears throat> against a couple of heavyweights, uh, Vok and, um, D- Danu, I think he looked good. He looked really good. He's, he's a crafty cruiserweight, but he moved up, put on some weight. He could, he could give Dubois some problems. I'm not expecting him to win because Dubois is 40 pounds and five inches bigger. And that matters. But, you know, we saw Dubois get frustrated and then how he reacts, I, I don't think he has the firepower to do with, you know, obviously Joe Joyce did, who's, who I think is a top three, top four fighter yeah, at heavyweight. But it'd be interesting. I like the over now. I think the over is under is like four and a half. I think Lorena takes him at least to eight. So there, there looks like some potential there. And in the Fury fight, you really don't know what, what to expect from Fury. I mean, he could come right out and bang him out. But, you know, Chisora is a good like, – he's tough. He's like a punching bag. You know, you just whack him and – He's, He's tough there. Guy. He doesn't go anywhere. Tough Very tough guy. So I think that fight goes to, uh, goes goes late. Maybe stops him. Maybe the Shazora's corner 
stops the fight in around mm. between eight, nine, 10, 11. Um, yeah, I other than that, that. I, I would take the over. What is the yeah, over? I under? definitely don't like the over under is like six and a half. It, so it's, oh, it's take like, the over, you know, right at that area. Take the over. Yeah, you get you have to give up juice. Yeah, to take the over, you have to put up juice like minus one forty to take the over. So okay. you have to put up more money to do it. But I, I think Chisora stays in there, and I think Fury. That's his buddy. Exactly. I think he carries him. I think I he agree. carries him. I agree. So, yeah, I, I mean, but if the fight stops, I could see that you know seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I just, uh, you know, I I don't see a quick knockout. So other than that, there's not a lot of drama, you know, this weekend except for the Chocolatito fight. I, I, that's that's another pick'em, you know. But you know, he's a slight favorite, Chocolatito. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him get the win. Both guys have have mileage on him, so you know, it is what it is. But um, what I wanted to ask you, because I didn't call on Monday, was the uh, fiasco with Jamal Charlo literally walking up to Bivol. that this is like um this is how i'd explain it like weird al yankovic walking up to paul mccartney and asking to do a duo with him in his recording <laughs> studio i mean that's what it would that's what i thought like look at this jackass coming up to boxing royalty right now okay and saying i want to fight you and, and Bivol was laughing his ass off inside he was yeah. trying not to mock him but Jalalab was in the background laughing too. Well, he, at first he was sort of like standing around like he, he wasn't sure what was about to go down. He was like, all right, well, I got to have Bivol's back here if someone jumps in. It was funny. It was just a funny scene. It was comical. But but Charlo, drunk as he always is at these events, was talking out of his ass. Like, where does this guy get the balls? Where does he buy pants big enough to fit those balls in order to talk to Bivol, you know, about, about having a fight? When he fights at 160, Okay, he's bigger than Bevel, and he fights at 160. And and Bevel was laughing like, "I'm I'm after the belt." It's like, where, where's your belt? 160. He's like, ah, laughing at him. Like, no, are you kidding me? It it just makes me wonder if um, Heyman puts these guys up to confronting these fighters like that. Like, um, there is a person over like there who does that. It's not Heyman. I'm not going to name names, but there is a, an employee there who does. It's not Heyman. But there is an right. employee who okay. encourages that sort of thing. I'll yeah. just leave it at that. See, that makes sense. That makes sense because I know, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, brains in some of these guys uh, like Charlo. And especially with the drinking, there goes the brain cells. But um, I know they're not, you know, crafty enough to think about strategy like that on their own and how to market themselves. So, yeah, it had to come from somewhere. So, uh yeah, that that makes sense. But it, it's just a it's like a comedy act with boxing anymore. It's more like the the old WWF <laughs> before it became WWE. They you had and that was great. I mean, I as a kid, I just loved it. It was entertaining. With boxing, it's kind of like scratching your fingernails against the blackboard, though. It's it's like too contrived, and and yeah. it's just it doesn't seem like organic. That's a great word. You know, the, the, to be the Charlo Bivol thing felt very contrived to me. A lot of the things right. Fury has said this year, uh, Deontay Wilder's people recently saying they want Joshua, like all that stuff. It's contrived mm-hmm. nonsense. Yeah. The Spence Crawford it, negotiations in the reporting of it, that was all contrived. All of it. Yeah. So nauseating. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's not about okay. It's not laughing. We're we're laughing not with Charlo. We're laughing at him. 
and we're laughing at Wilder and all these fighters who are talking, you know, stupid. You know, it's not it's not entertaining. It's just embarrassing at this point. So all you can do, make the fight. And when the fight's made, then you can talk. Then you can build it up. Or better yet, how about this, Mike? Like in the olden days, when you're building a fight, you have the, the two fighters fight contenders on the same card, okay? And you build a fight that way. And, and, and how much sense does it make, you know, when you have these battling promotion companies, okay? And, and they're like, well, no, we want this fight on our channel. No, we want it on our channel. Okay, how about this? How about you have the lead up on one and then you have the fight on the other. And if there's a rematch, the one who had the, the first, the, uh, the warm-up fight gets the, the rematch. Mm-hmm. And you could contract it that way. That's how, we, that's how everyone does things in business. It's like, all right, well, you got the first one, we get the second one, you know, and we just, you know, cover it that way. But we, we don't see that. We don't see the negotiations go that way. Like, it's, it's not like they can't be smart enough to think about these things, you know? So what happens is, well, if it's not on the zone, it's not on PBC, then the fight doesn't happen. That's a cop-out. There's better business people behind the scenes that could think of ways, contingency plans to have these, you know, these difficulties ironed out where, where it makes sense for both parties. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how this, I don't see this happen. <laughs> Do you have a comment on that? Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is a build, right? And to go to your wrestling reference, that's one thing that they do really, really well over there. Vince McMahon's a genius at that. Uh, when you have a build, yeah, uh, that's something that an audience can follow. It's simple. It's easy. And they could tune in at different points in the saga and know what's going on. They don't have to watch the entire thing, right, to, to follow it. Um, that's something that yeah. boxing used to do very, very well. And it's just fallen by the wayside. Uh, certain promotions are, are better at doing it than others. But um, the particular promotion you bring up, they're, they're, they're horrible at it. Uh, everything's a one-off. Dana White, the, the smartest thing he ever said, everything boxing does, it's like a going out of business sale. Uh, at least American boxing. Yeah. Uh, that's the way it feels. Yeah, he sees it. He yeah. sees it. I mean, if, if you're taking the, um, the Munguia versus Charlo, uh, fight that was supposed to happen. You could have had Charlo fight a guy and Mungia fight a guy on the zone. Mm-hmm. Okay, they split. You know, you know they they do the warm up and and the promotion, kind of like Hopkins against you know Allen and I think it was uh, the the night Oscar fought Felix Sturm where he yeah. looked bad and he almost lost and he should have lost on HBO pay per view, and they and then it was and then the main event came on pay per view like a few months later, but why couldn't you know, one, you know, outlet do the, uh, the pre fight, you know, a double header and then the other do the main event, um, you know, six months later or whatever, three, four months. And then if there's a rematch, then the other, you know, network gets it. I I just don't understand why they can't negotiate that way. It's It's like in good faith. It's the, it's the purses. It's, it's the network. So when you have a certain purse guarantee, you have to divide the cards up. You can't do a co-main. So they, I, I honestly, honestly, Thad, I think they tried to do that with that Charlo doubleheader. Do you remember that? Um, that was a pretty good pay-per-view. That might be the best value pay-per-view PBC has ever done. And it completely tanked. I remember that, yeah. I don't think it did 100,000 buys because those guys just aren't names. No. And they didn't price it correctly or market it correctly because they don't know how to do that. So that was an example of where you had you know, a, a couple of main events on one card 
And the only way they could pay everybody their guaranteed rate was to go pay-per-view. Now what you see is they have to divide it up into two different shows so that each main event gets their guaranteed rate. Uh, I think these fighters being overpaid is the biggest issue right now in the sport. It's That's really the bad. issue, Mike. That's yeah. the issue right there. Because the sense of entitlement some of these fighters have, they don't understand. You know, sometimes you, like James Tony would fight on USA Network or ESPN against, uh, you know, like a, thir- a top 30 guy in between, you know, him defending his belt at 160 and, and 168 um, for, for nothing, just to stay active. These fighters, they... Buddy McGirt did that. You know... Oscar De La Hoya did that. Oscar fought five times a year once. Buddy did that stuff. Uh, yeah, right. the guys used to do that. But it's a, it's a Golovkin. different era. Oh, Golovkin. <laughs> yeah, that's they, how he got put on. People don't understand that. Right. And people are like, oh, you're not fighting the A level opposition. Yeah, he's a champion getting a hundred thousand dollars. Like that, that. You're not going to fight the yeah, top he, guy. He fought, the top guy won't fight him. He fought Proska. He <laughs> fought Proska for nothing on HBO. Right. They 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 try to get Darren Barker. You know, when Barker was, uh, you know, a top-ranked guy to fight him for, you know, Golovkin was going to fight him for free, basically. You know, and, and Barker, like, backed out of it. So sometimes you have to sacrifice in order for down the line. I know Kovalev had to do that. He wasn't getting paid anything. Kovalev was literally you know, fighting he, in his purse was going straight to his management. His and His management would yeah. pay his rent at his apartment and help him get groceries, and that was right. it. He was living in North Carolina. And not even like in Charlotte, like in a city. He was living in a country in the middle of nowhere. That's where he started his career in America. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about the hard road. I could make an hour-long video yeah. about that. But you bring that stuff up and people get you know, all bent out of shape. But, yeah, I mean. Oh, of course. That, that's the thing, Fad. I mean, that's just and, where we're at right now in the sport. And look at the results. I mean, the results, you know, Triple G, you know, he probably earned close to 70, 80 million. And then Kovalev, he, oh, yeah. he made that like 11 million against Canelo. He probably made about 15 million, not too bad. Granted, after taxes and stuff and expenses and fees, yeah, you're going to get less than half. But still, I mean, Golovkin, he, you know, it, over in Kazakhstan, he, he could be like uh, the king oh, yeah. over there. So it, it pays sometimes to invest in yourself and, and not expect, you know, a crazy payday fighting a nobody. And that's what that's what we see today because Al Heyman. Yeah, but you know, fed, to fed. steal the UFC. Do you blame the fighter yeah. or do you blame the promoters and the networks? Because well, the promoters and the networks. That's who I blame Absolutely. too. Absolutely. I don't even blame the fighters. Yeah. If you're giving me money, okay, I'm going to take it. You're giving me money, money, and I could fight a <laughs> circus clown who is you know a crackhead. Okay, right. I'll do it. You know, um, so so I don't blame them. I really don't blame the Charlos and no. the Andres. I can't be mad at those guys. I'm mad at the promoters. They're the ones right. doing this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And as much as I hated Andre Ward, you know, he, he got paid, he got handed money by Jay-Z. He was a fool not to take that, you know, fighting Rob Brandt on HBO Why for Why what, not? $5 million. I mean, on BET. I remember <laughs> I mean, that geez. at a catch weight, like 172 or something like yeah. that. If Jay-Z's dumb enough to, it wasn't even Jay-Z, it was uh, the investors, uh, I can't remember that guy's name. But um, yeah, if, if that's who wants to put up the money, why not take it? Why not? I don't yeah. blame the fighters. Yeah. Anyway. But, but then we have, you know, on, on the back end, we have what we have now with the Charlo and, and Spence and Andrade and all these guys that are entitled. You know, they just don't want to fight. And, and, and let me just say in closing, Andrade, he, he had the worst year of anyone because he, he missed out on finding Jonabek and Parker who were less than impressive in their showings, yeah. you know, 
whether that was a part reason of him, you know, uh, with the ring rust and not fighting, but he looks like a, a horse's ass right about now, even more so than before. So, John Ryder is going to get that Canelo fight, and that could be Demetrius Andrade. He is life changing, career. You're right, generational type of money, life changing, fu money, right? Right. It's life changing. Absolutely, it's a hundred percent. He'll get five million pounds. <laughs> yeah, That'll he's, be about he's like, like seven, eight million. He's not a victim. It's a hundred percent on him. This one, a hundred percent on him. Right. All right. Well, great. Uh, great day at a Friday show. Really needed to, uh, you know, talk boxing. So we'll see how these fights go this weekend. You know, I, I just think the Dubois Lorena fight will be a little closer than people think. Right. So keep an eye on that one. I think it'll be entertaining. We'll do, brother. We'll do. Have a good weekend, Thad. Right. Appreciate it, man. You too. Now. All right. All right, guys, um, we're going to take maybe two more calls and then we're out of here. All right. And we're going to get the weekend started. Let's jump to the UK. Let's take a quick call over from the UK. Brothers from over the other side of the pond. 782, you were on the show. What's up? Hey, Michael, it's Pat. How are you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Good. Got a better phone signal this time. You can hear me this time. Yeah. yeah. Loud and clear, brother. <laughs> Loud and clear. <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic and Paul McCartney, two names. Dude, that that I did not think I was going to hear that today. That was great. That was great. David Lee Roth, maybe. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, no, there was there was a there was a a few things. um, The Fury fight tomorrow night that that only just came to mind for me. But the the more smart people who have already thought about this already. Now you know how much I love boxing, and and everyone who watches a show from me to Fat to Michael Mendiola, etc. Now. That fight is on tomorrow night. And if I'm honest, Mike, I've thought about that fight maybe twice this week. And the reason for it is not because he's fighting Chisora, a fight that nobody wants to see. We're now finally in the midst of the World Cup. Yeah? Now, Frank Warren think that even if he could have got the Usyk fight over the line for this weekend, that he would have been stupid enough to put that fight on within 24 hours of England playing, it wouldn't have been a good idea because you can have all the boxing on that you want. If England are playing, most of those fans are going to watch the England game instead of boxing. Uh, So much so that if you go into town tomorrow night in the Glasgow and you go to any of the sports bars, I guarantee you nine out of ten of them will have on the coverage in relating to the football and they will the boxing match. And then furthermore, they're doing an early ring walk as well. I mean, I don't know over your side of the the water what time it is, but they're doing that just after 9 p.m. here. Wow, for for the main event? For the main event? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was was watching on the news the other day, and they said, by the way, ring walk will be just after 9 p.m. And I thought, did I hear that right? It's never that early. It's never that because if one of those games tomorrow night with maybe uh, I don't know who's playing tomorrow, I know the US and the the Netherlands, but that's earlier in the day. If one of those games goes into extra time, like a lot of them have, mm-hmm. then what they're going to push the ring walk back, probably. More. But I just and then I thought to myself, I thought, right, so if the fight does shit on pay per view, which it probably will, right, it gives Frank Warren out on Sunday to go. 
Oh, the fight did great considering we're in World Cup time. Of course. Yeah. As opposed to as opposed to just saying the fight did shit because he's fighting Chisora who and I I wouldn't say this to his face. Well I probably would because then he'd knock me out and then I'd sue him for enough money to pay off my mortgage. <laughs> um <laughs> exactly, right? The day after uh Chisora had that rematch with Parker, he'd done an interview. Shit you not, Michael. The guy's slurring his words and everything. You know, the the beating that Parker gave him and at that point I thought, look, now's the time to retire. Regardless of who left, now's the time to retire. And okay, maybe they're friends and that with him and Fury, but should he be getting, with all the beatings that he's took over the years, should he be getting in with a world champ? What do you think, man? I mean, he could get badly hurt. He could. I don't know what you think. I, uh, I personally think Fury is going to carry him. I think I agree. I think he'll with, go to about eight. I think yeah. that the over. He'll go to about eight and the towel will come in. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I maybe, think I mean, Chisora's fat, corner fat will throw in the towel. Wrong. They're going to throw in the towel. Yeah. Uh, I say around about round eight. Um, the Kevin Lorena fight and Dubois, I kind of agree with that, that Dubois will go longer. The thing the thing with Dubois that really struck me was I saw him at a convention, uh, God, it must have been about four years ago, just pre-COVID times. And he, on one side of him, he had Buster Douglas. Now, I know Buster Douglas is retired and he's put on weight. And on the other side, he had Frank Bruno, who's still in pretty good shape. And I was really surprised. I thought, for a heavyweight, unlike what he looks on TV, I thought Dubois didn't look that big in person. I was actually quite shocked. I thought, I thought I expected him to look a whole lot bigger. I'm five foot seven on a on a good day. I stand on all my my credit cards. I go up to five foot eight. Right? <laughs> I just thought myself was like he's not big enough. But we'll wait and we'll see. Um, and then the you know the the, the comment that uh, was on last week about Janibek making the comment that he wanted to put Denzel Bentley in a wheelchair. That's disgusting, man. Yeah, That's I agree. Despicable, you know. Uh, but um, if I mean, because I don't know what you're hearing over there. Are you hearing any slight rumblings over there that Canelo is going to come over here and fight John Ryder in a stadium next year? I know that hearing a little bit of that here. Yeah, so I, I can't speak too much on record, but they've been planning uh, that right, since. Okay, okay, I won't put I, you in a position. They've literally, Pat, they've been talking <laughs> about that since last year. It's definitely something because that they want that to do. Happens, I'm going to that. If that's, if that's, that's why they want to do it. In the summertime, that, that, that um, will sell I'm out in five minutes. Overly fond of London. Yeah, it'll be oh, huge. It will. it will. Yeah. And then the thing is as well, like, you know, if, if you were smart with that and you got, um, you know, you, you're always talking about how Jaime Munguia has been badly promoted. You know, if you could come to some agreement and you said, okay, Jaime Munguia, maybe put him in with... Um, even a, a, a sort of lower level British middleweight of a sort of Liam Smith level, you put him in on the undercard on that, that would be a cracking night. It really, mm-hmm. really would. But it would it would be like you say, that that would sell out in five minutes for Canelo. You know? Hey, you could even have him have a fight with Lionel Messi on the undercard. Oh shit. You could even have that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, man, don't give him I mean? any but, ideas, Pat, because yeah. they might do that. Don't give him any uh, well, ideas. They, 
Well, well did, I don't know. Did you see Marcos Maidana with his beer and his cigar with yeah. a mask on Twitter? Yeah. Saying, "Oh, hey, Canelo, you looking for me?" But um, no, I'm going to I'm going to Manila, Miami, and Memphis in February, early March, Mike. So if you hear of anything uh, out that way, even okay. if it's a small show or anything. You just hit me up on the Facebook. I uh, comment on your links, and if you, if you do happen to hear of anything, I'd really appreciate it if you could put it my way. I, I guarantee you. Uh, depending on the, please check in with me because I know for sure there's do. probably going to be Definitely, some stuff coming yeah. out of Florida. Definitely, let me know, please. Yeah, I'm going to be four four nights in Memphis, uh, four nights in Miami, three in Memphis, and okay. if I could see a fight. Of any kind, even if it's like you say a low level fight, um, I would, I would love, I would love to do that, man. I mean, I'll take care of you, brother. But just let me know. Don't Check in with me. Up. All right. I will do. I will do. Right. I'll let you get to your next call, Mike, and uh, I'll speak to you soon, man. God bless. All right. Have a great weekend, brother. You too. All the best. All right. There he goes. All right, guys. We're gonna do one more call, and then we're gonna call it. All right. One more call, and I think this one's up in New York. We're going to go to 631. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike. This is uh, Keith Yasin. Keith, I thought I that was you. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, it's been a while since I called in. This Friday took a little bit easier me. Thank you for uh, putting on Friday. Just want to say congratulations to you, Tiffany, on having uh, Jack of the Ripper. Thank you. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. And Thank you. I know you're going to be a great father. Thanks, man. I'm trying. I'm um, trying. I actually want to ask about that. Yeah, no, yeah, you're, probably, you're doing a great job. I mean, just being there, uh, obviously taking care of being there uh, is more than enough. Well, I actually wanted to ask you, do you think you're going to be an overprotective father or do you think that you're going to be giving her like the money once she asks for it? I, you know, I don't, th- I don't think I, th- there's a term helicopter parent. I didn't even know what that meant like two months ago, but people explained it to me. I can't be one of those people. Uh, when I see, like, I don't want to offend yeah. anyone out there, but when I see, like, I see this bumper sticker now on cars that says, um, be patient, student driver. I'm like, fuck you. When I, oh, when I was 16, <laughs> I had to just learn how to keep up with traffic. And now I'm supposed to like bend over backwards for your kid. No, you know, like I'm going to teach my kid look both ways before crossing the street. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think I'm going to be, I grew up in a school of hard knocks. My kids going to grow up in the suburbs, middle class, completely different than me, but I'm going to have to give her some of the culture I grew up around. Right. Um, at least I hope so. Yeah, I think so too. And I'll give her a, a big advantage and especially like essentially the society that we live in today, just because Absolutely, people are, society's kind of gotten a, a weird direction. Yes. So, but again, congratulations. That's, amazing thank you um, i just want to let you know i we had uh we uh, the last couple calls it came up a couple times regarding the ivf and the whole mandatory bs and whatnot i actually reached out to the ivf i called them two or three times and i sent them an email um from uh from my company email just asking him like being nice uh tactful asking him what you know what to deal with this i brought up this with the jermel charles situation spent situation versus the boosting situation um, and the uh, the George, George Cardino, George Cardini in England, you know how he was stripped. Music is getting you know is getting prompted to having essentially a mandatory, and I haven't heard back from them. So I just want to take mm. you with that. It just it's, it's please let us know uh, if you hear something. I mean, you know, 
because it is very interesting. Yeah, I'll send another email. Yeah. And if I'm next time I'm in, in Jersey to see my family, um, if I happen to be in Northern Jersey or wherever they are in Central Jersey, I'll try and go stop by and knock on their door to see what's going on with that. But uh, okay, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting for sure. Um, we a couple points we we kind of talked about um, the the fight that happened this past week and also the Tally Klitschko where he kind of retired on school from the shoulder injury versus when he the fight was stopped versus versus I. And I think personally, I, I know that most fighters aren't quitters, but I also think there's a, a balancing board to where if you're, in a, if you're injured or you're in a fight, I think sometimes it's better to live and fight another day to where you sustain a career-ending injury, like we've seen or even hypothetically die as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what are your thoughts on that. I completely agree. And something I've said for years, honestly, is I think this is something that uh, MMA fighters just seem to inherently understand more and the fans UFC fans are way more forgiving of that sort of thing than boxing fans for whatever reason um, I see a lot of the guys in UFC just I don't know what the expression is over there but they're equivalent of take a knee let's say where they're injured or they're not feeling it that mm-hmm. night and they kind of just capitulate and their fans are cool with it and that, you know, um, at my gym that I train at right now, there's a couple of MMA guys that come in there to work on their hands and they work with us, you know, just to, to try to get better with their hands. And I talk to them a lot yeah. and um, they talk about some of the cultural differences. And that's a huge one for whatever reason, dude, boxing fans are just really unforgiving about that sort of thing. Um, there's just some nights where it's not your night, dude. And if you're taking an absolute beating that might change your life, or if you have an injury that might affect your vision or something like that for the rest of your life, I, I don't think it should be held against a fighter for maybe, um, you know, sitting on their stool. I don't know. Every situation is different, though, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And also in MMA, too, is essentially, like you said, there's multiple ways to get finished or finish an opponent. So you can get your arm snapped off. You can literally be choked to sleep which you can't fault the guy that at all. If he literally, he doesn't pass, but it's, it's different. And, you know, taking a step back to the whole when versus, when versus losing is, is MMA is, is a completely different mindset mm-hmm. in contrast to Amer- American boxing, I'd say, per se, not really, not really Eastern Europeans, but American fight fans and, um, you know, losses. At the end I'm of so the glad you brought that point up. Box for MMA. Not to interrupt. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you mentioned the no, Eastern good, European so. thing. To your point about Vitaly Klitschko, I've actually talked to people on his team. I've never talked to Vitaly. I've I've talked to Vladimir a few times, but never to Vitaly face-to-face. But but Vitaly did not understand when he retired against Chris Bird how the American fans would take that. Because his point of view, to your point, was he's an Eastern European guy. And he was looking at this like, well, ah, shit, it just ate my night. I can't throw punches with this one arm. I just need to retire and heal and I'll beat this guy later on down the road. He didn't understand American fans are going to be like, Oh, you're a quitter. Cause in his culture, it's just not the same thing. And he had, so by the time he fought Lennox Lewis, he understood that better because of the criticism he took. And that's why he had a different kind of attitude. Um, but th- that's a great point you bring up though. It is cultural because there are fighters from other parts of the world it's not that big a deal to fucking lose sometimes. Losing's part of it. You 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 could come back from it, you know. 
Yeah, no, um, that hundred percent. And that's, that this is twofold in that, whereas European fighters don't care as much. And they also don't care about, you know, care about the aesthetics, you know, the aesthetic things that American fighters do having that glossy record also just like essentially flaunting their wealth, flaunting their wealth and flaunting their money. Like we see with American fighters. So they just, they don't, Lomachenko is a perfect example. We think a perfect example, all of them, they, they just want to fight the best and they don't, part of my friends give a shit about, you know, you know, patting the record to get to the next point. Um, but you know, that's, that's just a, that's just a huge stark cultural difference. And we see that across many different things as opposed to sports. Another thing too, and I don't know, maybe at some point back to kind of elaborate more on this. Um, I was watching, I saw a little bit of an episode of Joe Rogan podcast and he had, uh, George St. Pierre's old trainer on. He basically said there was a big a stark difference between the way American athletes train and <clears throat> Eastern European athletes train, particularly, I guess, former Soviets. Whereas American athletes, they train a lot more intensely pretty much every workout as opposed to Eastern European athletes, they would train moderately to focus more on form and perfection and not burn themselves out uh, till their come fight night or come come the day of their event. So that's something like I'd actually like to learn more about as well. So I don't know if you've heard anything about that or any of you have any thoughts about that. Yeah. I I would include, I'd also say, um, Latin American fighters, um, it, it, it's more than just Eastern European fighters, but <clears throat> they take a more scientific approach to it, I guess. Same thing with the Cuban fighters. Mm-hmm. It's more like punching a clock. It's like, I'm going to the office today. Yeah. And, you know, let's say you work an office job. Um, you work in banking. Well, <clears throat> at the end of the quarter, it's going to be busy because you're doing your quarter end reporting or your month end reporting, right? Your annual reporting at the end of the year, that's your busy season or tax season's crazy, but outside of tax season, things are slower, you know? So there's an example of you're showing up to work every day, but there's different levels. And I think that's the way a lot yeah. of fighters from different parts of the world approach it. It's I'm punching my clock. I'm going into work, but we're two weeks in the camp versus 10 weeks in the camp. I think a lot of the American boxing culture, particularly in certain communities across America, it's very, very macho. And it's very much like, this is my gym. I'm the alpha dog here. And I got to show that every day. You know, I got to show that I'm the man in this gym and no one can touch me. And um, there's these sparring wars and stuff. And it wears dudes out. I think there's less of it now. Yeah. But uh, J- James Tony is a guy notorious for that. Uh, the Mayweathers, notorious for that. Um, where these guys literally wear themselves out and get punch drunk just training for fights. I've seen a lot of that, dude. A lot of it. Yeah, that's, and that doesn't really lead to a healthy life after boxing as well, too. Yes. So, unfortunately. Um, but I got a couple of points, and I'll, I'll let you go. Um, my one quick point is I... I haven't seen a shot of fight, obviously, the part recently, but I favor Chuck Lopito just based on his last, his previous performance. He looked very good. And uh, my other question for you is, and I think I know the answer, or most people do, is why is it that you think that it seems like fights on the women's side, the bigger fights, are easier to get made versus the men's side? It, it, there's a few reasons, but the biggest is the finances. It's just, okay. yeah, the, the finances are, are so much lower and these women aren't getting paid anywhere near what the men are getting paid. So when you just double the money, they're going to step up and do it. 
also uh, the sanctioning organizations are now all in where you go back just five years. I think it was only the WBC, maybe the WBA was involved. Now they're all involved. And they, you know, if there's belts involved and stuff like that, um, it, it does raise the money a little bit, the profile and the fighters are more interested. So look at this fight. Like let's say Spence and Crawford, both of them want eight figures. Neither one of them is an eight figure fighter. There's two eight figure fighters, maybe three in the sport right now. Let's just say five to be friendly. There's five in the sport in Spence and Crawford, neither of them. Uh, they're not eight figure fighters. They're barely seven figure fighters in terms of their actual market value. Right. They both want 10 million yeah. plus, but you can do a, a rematch between Taylor and Serrano and it's one tenth of the pay scale. And you saw the sellout yeah. that they did in MSG when they do that rematch over in Ireland or over in the UK or whatever, they're going to do 50,000 fans. Yeah, it's going to gonna be massive. Yeah. So the profitability percentage wise, in terms of raw dollars, of course, Spence Crawford can make more because you can gouge fans in Vegas. You could charge $15,000 for ringside seats. But in terms of the percentages, in terms of your return on investment, your ROI, it's going to be way higher for Taylor Serrano too. That's the difference. It, it, to, to further yeah, this example, then I'll shut up. It's the difference between investing. If you were a guy who invested in movies, if you were a Hollywood guy, investing in the next Marvel superhero movie versus investing in the next independent horror film, you're going to make way more money on your $100,000 investment in an independent horror film than you will on a Marvel movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, because the actors are going to net a lot more out of the Marvel movie. Uh, I, I was also thinking just because of the just because of the political landscape as well too. Like all these fighters are they all their promoters are I think all friends with each other. Correct me if I'm wrong. For the most part, um, yes and no. I mean, Clarissa Shields people don't necessarily get along with anybody else. Uh, they're very difficult to deal uh, with. Uh, Serrano's people can be kind of difficult to deal with. Um, so so it's touch and go, but. Politics, the politics in Lennox Lewis used to say politics increase as the money increases, right? Uh, there's more people whispering in your ear as the money increases. So there's just not as much of that right now in the women's game. It will change, but it's not there yet. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, Mike, I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for doing a Friday show and you have a great weekend. God bless you and your family again. Thank you. Same to you, brother. Have a good one. You too. Take care. All right, guys. What a great Friday show. Had a great time. Make sure you hit that like button, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Have a great weekend, guys, and I'll see you Monday at TNC. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Peace.